It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here comes Hood. Rocking it, a three over Howard. Good! Rodney Hood is cold blooded. 115, 112. It's locked on Jazz for the 28th of June. The other Western Conference teams. What are they up to? What will transpire? How will they change? Lost a legend in the world of basketball. A new name on the Jazz Summer League. Some rumors about Jamal Crawford, Kevin Durant, and coaching changes. It's all up next on Locked on Jazz. How are you? Good morning or good afternoon or whenever you might be listening. I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Welcome to Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Big news over on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Thunder will debut today, I believe, uh, or maybe today or tomorrow. Locked On Pelicans will likely debut either today or tomorrow uh, as well. So uh, two new additions, more coming. Uh, new editions of Locked On Bulls, Locked On Celtics, and Locked On Magic are up for you. If you're interested, if you have a buddy that's – favorite teams of those teams, and please take a moment uh, and tell them about it. Uh, before we kind of dig in today uh, and do our pins across the world, I've, I've got to just take a moment about Pat Summit. Uh, the the impact, any of us who are basketball fans have been impacted by Pat Summit. That's, that's the greatness of Pat Summit. I, I never, uh, I met her once, I, I never got to talk to her, I don't, I don't know her at all. Uh, the amount of University of Tennessee players that I worked with in the WNBA makes me feel as though uh, I know Pat Summit uh, from just all the stories. Her impact is is endless, the, and I I can't do anything more than what everybody else will talk about. I mean, her winning's incredible, but but I I think actually I'm gonna personalize it without trying to be arrogant, uh, just because it's really my only reference point. But here's a woman who I've never really met or never spoken with. And the influence she's had on my life is mammoth because on the front side of it, just the inspirational stories from players who played for her and what she was like and how she drove you to be great. But then let's take another angle. Without Pat Summit, there's not a WNBA. She was that influential in just kind of where women's basketball was and how she coached women's basketball and the development of women's basketball to a point where there became a WNBA, which has been not only the most enjoyable job I've ever had or one of the most enjoyable jobs I've ever had, but probably you know the key to my career as a radio play-by-play announcer was the time I got in the WNBA to develop my skills and also some incredibly close friends. So... And then I then get to move on 
fortunately enough, to be able to be an NBA announcer. I, I don't do that without the WNBA. So here's a guy, a male, 45, who you know, didn't ever play women's basketball, but is in the game of basketball. And my life is directly altered and changed by the influence Pat Summit had by just simply changing the entire landscape of women's basketball. Then, you know, I'm now a father of a daughter, and so my daughter's life is completely changed by what Pat Summit has done uh, for women's athletics and women, period. So incredible, incredible life legacy. Sad, obviously, to see her go uh, and and the evils of, of Alzheimer's and dementia uh, taking her at 64 uh, years old. She was diagnosed in 2011, so obviously the last five years have been tough. But just a, just a, a life changer, you know. Uh, one of the phrases we talk about a lot in our, in our family uh, is a great poem that uh, was up on a wall at a summer camp I went to. Uh, I, I don't have it quite right, but uh, basically the concept is that everybody puts down a footprint uh, on the, and your footprint can expand and extend wherever it might. Uh, frankly, if your footprint uh, puts the footprint on the heart of your family in a positive manner, uh, and those that that's more than enough. There are the special few who leave a footprint that is long beyond just their family. Uh, we had one in Larry H. Miller, who Gail Miller often said our family lost Larry because the community gained him. And I think that's probably very true. And now Pat Summit is one whose footprint is just, you know, expansive. So uh, thoughts to Pat Summit's family, those who knew her directly, those who are, you know, uh, saddened uh, by today, and, and rightfully so. All right, let's go to our pins across the world. Uh, and touch on where we are sitting with all of our fun stuff. This is a this is a really old one that snuck by me. Uh, Brandon Park is our pin today. First off, I listen every day. Thank you so much. I love the analysis stats. I grew up with my dad watching the Jazz. My dad is an, was an all-state basketball player from a long ago. True Jazz fan. I followed him while we moved around life in Australia, Las Vegas, Napa, California. So not only do I love the Jazz, but I love to hear references to the past. I currently live in Bountiful, Utah. Uh, tell Ron Boone he's the best. He is. I haven't talked to Ron in like a week. I'll have to call him. I uh. And he also, I took, he went to a game uh, along the way. Uh, he asked a few questions along the way, one of which was, uh, what is the average expected improvement of PAC uh, from players entering year to year? And does it change by position? Why, that's an awesome question. Uh, and you know what, Brandon, I'll work on that. Uh, I think many of you know I've got a listener who's done amazing work for me on PAC. We probably can figure that out. We tried to figure out peak age on PAC. It got a little funky in that uh, and a little hard to figure out because of the fact that a guy's careers end so fast that then peak age gets – it's almost like you have to do peak age of players who've played at least five years, and that changes uh, the dynamic a little bit of of what it is. So anyway, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. All right, let's take a second um, and just kind of walk through. You know, we, we know where the Jazz stand, our tip-off story of the day. And let, let's take a second and look at what, what we expect out of kind of our major Western Conference uh, teams. Now, the Warriors are the headliners, and 
there's no bad scenario for the Warriors. Everything kind of points to them either radically changing their roster by adding a name bigger than what they have, a Kevin Durant or an Al Horford, uh, and then you know whether they re-sign Harrison Barnes and what they do with Festus Azili, whether they try to move Andre Iguodala, some of those kind of things. But there's no... The Warriors are there's no chance that the Warriors. I'm kind of looking at what teams could be really different, dramatically game changing uh, on things. So the Warriors are not one of of those teams. Oklahoma City obviously is. You know everything pens here from what happens uh, with Kevin Durant, and uh, then and then the next part of it's really obviously quite interesting, um, is what are they going to do with their power forward position? Right now, their power forwards are Ursan Ilyasova, Nick Collison, and Ennis Cantor. Uh, and is that what they plan to go with? And how, do they really plan to play Durant as the four extensively? And I would argue the other aspect of them is they're short enough wing players to play Durant at the four enough. Uh, Westbrook and Payne, Oladipo, so really they're Westbrook, Oladipo, Waiters is a free agent, and Robertson are their four. Cameron Payne hasn't shown development. They didn't really like Anthony Morrow. Kyle Singler they lost confidence in. So if they're sliding Durant to the four, you've got to have four or five uh, credible wings there because if you have one or two injuries, as we saw with the Jazz last year. So that roster needs to be re- still redone a good deal. Uh, the Spurs are just an incredibly hot free agent team. Whenever you hear free agents talk, uh, they they talk about the Spurs as though they are the model franchise to where to go. Free agency right now for them. Uh, they've got a lot of pieces they still have to figure out. I mean, right now they only have eight guys on their on their roster. So they could really overhaul this. Uh, they have Parker and Mills as their guards. Uh, Danny Green is under contract. Kawhi Leonard's under contract. LaMarcus Aldridge and Boris Diaw. Uh, so they still, they've got a, a fairly significant uh, roster overhaul that could happen in San Antonio, a team that's not being talked about a lot. The free agents are just not that great. Um, but you wonder, are they going to be able to get people to come in on the low end? Everyone's got money, so they can go sign someone. But you start listening to you know people, and the Spurs are in on the mix. They're in on Durant. You know, they, they're getting, they have earned the spot as a franchise that Durant sits down with them, which, to, you know, to some extent is just a crazy idea, but to that, give it, give them immense credit, uh, for reaching that level. Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, we'll see whether, how last year's defense maintains itself, uh, they, they've done a beautiful job of, of evolving. Manu Ginobili is expected to be back. David West is questionable on whether he'll be back. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but that's that's a roster that's got um, – it doesn't have gaps. Uh, Pau Gasol is heavily talked about there as another free agent. Uh, be certainly curious. The Clippers are the most fascinating team to me. Will, you know, will Blake Griffin's name recirculate here at some point? Uh, they come into this with Jamal Crawford as a free agent. 
Austin Rivers is a free agent. So they also, as of right now, only have seven players on their roster. I got to say, for I, I admire the teams, Detroit, Utah, who uh, have their roster pretty well set. I would not want to go into what I think is going to be a free agency bloodbath of overpaying uh, with a roster like the Clippers right now who have five players on their team, basically. They have five players, C.J. Wilcox and Brendan Dawson. Uh so, you know, Cole Aldridge, who is important to them, is a free agent. Luke Ba Mute, who was, was important to them, is a free agent. Pablo Prigione probably is not important to them. Jamal Crawford, who was a minus pack player last year, will get a lot of attention. Paul Pierce seems to be done. Uh, and Jeff Green and Wesley Johnson. So, you know, they're going to have to rebuild that bench that's been such a problem for them. Paul Pierce is actually one of the five players. They have four players on their roster. Uh, they are getting a sit-down with Kevin Durant. And to me, they're one of the most interesting teams for Durant. Uh, if Durant wants to go big market, he wants to be have the ability to win a title and have the leaders in, and be given credit for it, uh, if he wants out of Oklahoma City and away from Westbrook, that's got to be part of the equation. If he's just done with that situation, uh, then I, I'd have to say when I start looking at the teams that Durant is is sitting down with, the six teams. So the Warriors are interesting, but there's a lot of downside to it. Just whether he gets any recognition, he'll get some bad press. Uh Maybe he likes Steph and Clay and Steve Kerr so much and he wants to live in the Bay Area. It's just that good. It, se- it seems like a strange fit. Uh, that's been going on, though it's been building for 12 months. It's been talked about for a long time. It's one of those things I think was like a fantasy land talked about. We'll get it done. And now it's actually time for it to happen. I'm not convinced that it does. The Heat are his one Eastern Conference team as of right now that he's meeting with. The Knicks have not... Uh, been reported to have a meeting. And uh, with Chris Bosch's situation, there's just not enough pieces, Dwayne Wade getting old, for Miami. I mean, living in Miami sounds awesome. But again, when it gets to push, come to shove. Sorry, he's meeting with the Celtics, too, for an Eastern Conference. Then there's the Celtics. And again, unless the Celtics are going to be able to package multiple pieces together that really move his meter, the Celtics just don't. As we saw in the draft, the Celtics have a lot of good pieces that everyone loves to talk about all the time that as a collection are evidently pretty good, but none of them individually move move franchises. Then there's the Thunder staying. There's the Spurs we just talked about. And there's the Clippers. And the Clippers are fascinating. Do you want to play with Chris Paul? That's the first part. He's ball dominant. Reddick spaces the floor. You put him out there with Blake and DeAndre Jordan. They're great. I mean, they're great. And I I, I think could be the, honestly, could be the favorite in the Western Conference. Doc Rivers is an incredible recruiter. I start putting together pack numbers on that team with Reddick at 2.3, DeAndre Jordan at 1.8, Chris Paul at 1.1, and uh Kevin Durant is the number two pack player in the league. You'd have three about the top ten pack players in the league. Blake Griffin would be the one pulling it down, and everybody you're losing is a negative pack players. Rebuild an average bench, and the Clippers become. That's that's and and I don't, we'll find out whether Steve Palmer, the former CEO of Microsoft, has any pull, because that to me is a really interesting Durant landing spot. 
In fact, if he's not going back to Oklahoma City, this is the one spot I think is viable and works for him. I really, I really do. May, you know, maybe you're not buying my logic on this. Uh, continuing on the West, Houston's another one. What's Houston doing? They have a chance to be have a landscape changer. So it feels as though Dwight Howard's leaving. Their point guard situation is Patrick Beverly, which I think they all realize is not sufficient. Do they go get Mike Conley? Trevor Ariza is their small forward and supposedly available. Uh, would be interesting pickup for Utah. We've talked about that a lot. Monstrel Harrell is their power forward right now. Are they going to be able to get Gasol or something like that? And here's beginning Ryan Anderson. You're beginning to see what's going to happen here, though, is as I start to mention names time and time again, the bidding for these players is just going to become insane. Their roster right now is Beverly Harden, Ariza, Montrell Harrell, and Clint Capella with no backup bigs at all. Montaunis is a free agent. They would they tried to trade, so you can't tell whether they're willing to bring him back or not. It's an offer sheet that probably most people feel like. I kind of feel like Lance Stevenson, despite all of his negative numbers, ends up there at some point. Memphis is clearly a team that has the biggest ebb and flow to where they could go. You know, when Mike Conley leaves, what's their next step? If Mike Conley returns, then they're coming back with they're still small forward lists. They're coming back with their same kind of team with Zach Randolph, Marcus Ohl, uh, with a new head coach, uh, with Dave Yeager out going to Memphis or going to Sacramento, and so this is a you know they used a million players last year, but this is this is a different team. Mario Chalmers is a free agent, so they would have to re-sign him and come back. But it'll be curious if they lose Conley. I don't see a very good route by which they continue to be a contending team. What's also interesting, I don't see a lot of players on the roster. I'm dying to go get. Other than Marcus Sol, the question then is: Do they move Marcus Sol in some mammoth deal and rebuild? That's where Boston probably can can come in on on to some extent. That Memphis is really really interesting to watch with all this. Dallas is as well. These are the teams kind of in the middle. Where are they going next? Dirk, I would suspect resigns. Darren's a free agent. They've had these. Raymond Felton is a free agent. And Dallas has done just an incredible job over the years of just you know changing seven, eight spots of their roster at a time. Harrison Beret under contract, Wesley Matthews, they're small forward right now because Chandler Parsons is a free agent, is Jeremy Evans. Nowitzki, David Lee, Charlie Villanueva, Dwight Powell, uh, and their center uh, right now is, uh, is uh, Zaza's a free agent. That's what they use. And JaVale McGee is under contract. Uh, they have Sala, who was pretty good, actually, last year. I'm not sure he's a starting center. So there's another team. As you start running through this in the West, who's going to just be going through major changes. I, I, from a jazz standpoint, why is this relevant for the jazz? Because from a jazz standpoint, what you're really beginning to get to is that you're going to sit out 
the early parts of this unless you have a guy you know you have to go get. Portland's pretty well established. They're starting five of Lillard, McCollum, Aminu, Vonley, and Plumlee are back. Davis is back. They, Alan Crabb is on the market as a restricted free agent. That's a big one for them uh, to try to uh, try to re-sign. Myers Leonard is a free agent. It would be interesting for the Jazz. He would certainly be on my list of, of Jazz players I would consider, plus three Point three positive post player and Mo Harkless, so their bench is got a chance to be taken away a little bit uh, and overpaid in a market where those players all have some value, uh, but their core of who they are as a franchise is, is going to stay the same. Uh, take a look at New Orleans, uh, and then we'll probably uh, scan through the last few teams. Minnesota is really interesting. Minnesota. I mean, New Orleans is interesting because their core is actually back. Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans, Dante Cunningham, Anthony Davis, and Omir Ashik. Um, that's what they've tied themselves to. Clearly, it wasn't good enough last year. Ashik probably is the worst contract in the game. Brett Dawson of Locked On Pelicans, I'm sure we'll get into this more. What's, they, they will? I think that they're going to let Eric Gordon go, uh, particularly with the addition of Buddy Heald and... Then the question is, you know, what do they? What else do they try to add? Alonzo G is a free agent, I believe, coming up here. Courtney Lee uh, was valuable to that uh, in the '79 games uh, that he played. Ryan Anderson, though, is their big one that's worth talking about. And I want to take a minute on Ryan Anderson because Ryan Anderson, to me, who becomes interesting, he's a positive point two pack player. He's likely. You know, we've talked indirectly talked about him five or six or seven times uh, by just talking about teams that need a player in that spot. The interesting thing on Anderson is as good as he is offensively to the game, that when he's been on the floor, teams have been just terrible defensively. Uh, his plus-minus is not a particularly good plus-minus. Uh and so you'd think that he stretches the floor, he does all these awesome things for you. But as over the years, uh, you know, when I was talking to Monty Williams a few years ago, I, I remember vividly when I said, you know, you've got the best offensive team in the league when you have Ryan Anderson on the floor. And he also said we have the worst defensive team on the floor. And I was aware of it, but I was really trying to be positive and just talk about the ability to stretch the floor. And, you know, you have to wonder whether or not, that holds of the hundred power forwards in the game. Ryan Anderson ranks ninety third in defensive plus minus. So is someone really going to max out a player who's ninety third in the league in defensive real plus minus? His his overall real plus minus is zero. In other words, for everything he gives you offensively, he's that bad defensively. Myers Leonard falls into this too. Myers Leonard is 89th out of 100. Terrence Jones of Houston is 100th out of 100, by the way. Uh, Derek Williams is 98 out of 100. It's kind of interesting names on the bottom of this list. Ursan Ilyasova, who's now in Oklahoma City, is 83rd out of 100. A team we'll get to in a second. Denver's got to address an issue because Kenneth Farid is 84th out of 100. You know, the worst defensive, Toledovich, who's a free agent, falls into this group. These are the worst defensive players, according to Real Plus Minus, in the NBA at the power forward position. And that 
you got to wonder where, where where that plays in, how that um, impacts things. Uh, and but you know, teams love these are these to me are the red flag guys you could end up making a really large mistake on this time of year. That that would be the one. By the way, Trey Lyles for the Jazz as a rookie, not surprising, is seventy fourth out of a hundred. You know, he's really he's got to rebound and play defense if he's going to make the step that I just naturally talk about all the time that he's obviously going to make. I mean, he actually has some real things that make it not obviously. It's an interesting concept, right? of who these players are that are the worst defensive players in the league. And you have to decide a little bit that you buy into the fact, you know, if you buy into the fact that Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Robert Covington, Wesley Johnson, I'm not sure I totally do. Jay Crowder, Tony Snell, Tabo Cephalosa, Alfaruk Aminu, Paul George are the best defensive small forwards. Okay, do you buy that? Like, those are the best defensive small forwards. Are you also buy? do you then... Do you turn around and take the other side, which is, you know, Shabazz Muhammad is 81st out of 81 small forwards defensively. Uh, other names of interest are kind of who you'd suspect. Nick Young, Kobe Bryant, Doug McDermott, Brandon Rush, who hardly played, Luke Babbitt, uh, Will Barton, C.J. Miles, Lance Stevenson. No big surprises uh, in that regard. Harrison Barnes does not come out well, nor does Jeff Green, who are both free agents that could. I don't know about uh, guaranteed to get a lot of money uh in regards to that of, of Jeff Green. All right, let's uh, finish this up by uh, taking a look at uh, bo- uh, a few of the final um, teams in the West and just where we expect them to go. Minnesota gets probably to be uh, the, the most interesting team now of where they go. Uh, obviously, they have the point guard situation that, that's now been created by having Chris Dunn and Ricky Rubio, and Tyus Jones, and Zach Levine, uh, which, you know, maybe they don't need to do anything about it in the opening year. Wiggins, Towns, Gorgie Dang, they're set. Uh, Balencia's a nice, Bielitsa is a nice uh, stretch. I don't know what they do about Pekovic. Shabazz Muhammad they probably want to get rid of. But they're going to be able to fill in behind if Thibodeau can recruit, and that team's ready to roll. That's a team that, they don't have to make any meat. They can. If they can go get Jimmy Butler, they certainly should. Denver's another one. It's pretty well set. Manuel Moutier, Gary Harris, Danilo Gallinari. And this is just where I think they've got to figure a way to get rid of Fareed. Nurkic, Jokic is really good. Figure out if those two could play together, which they were trying to do at the end of the last year. They have Chandler coming back. Will Barton off the bench. The addition of Jamal Murray. Jameer Nelson probably can go. But Denver's another team that... It pro- just is probably making that step. They've, you know, they've with all these draft picks, they've done a nice job of, of building up who they are. It's terrifying uh, to look at the bottom teams in the West and see that the the progress and jumps that they're going to make. Sacramento is a team we all should keep an eye on. Everyone's calling them. Everyone's talking to them. Uh, you know, Darren Collison's got his domestic violence problems, and then they don't really have any other point guards. Ben McLemore, they don't really like, and they or they've had no success with I wouldn't want to say they don't like him, but I think they're probably willing to move him. Uh, and they don't have any other shooting guards. Rudy Gay, from all reports, they're willing to move. He's their starting small forward, and they don't really have any other small forwards. So this that makes them very interesting. They have a ton of bigs. They drafted the Greek kid. They got Willie Cauley-Stein. They got DeMarcus Cousins. They drafted Scalabossier. Um, so Omri Caspi's a free agent. 
uh, we'll be curious to see uh, what they do. So I think that kind of sums up. I just thought we'd take a look at just kind of where these teams in the Western Conference are sitting, what to expect out of Some of them have landscape-changing, you know, the landscape-changing teams to me in the Western Conference. Dallas is going to have a landscape change, just they always do. Uh, the Rockets are going to have a landscape change with Howard leaving. The Clippers are a potential to have a landscape change either, you know, yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, are just – I didn't even talk about them. They're just completely rebuilding. Memphis can have a landscape change uh, if they lose Mike Conley. I don't think Minnesota can. I don't really feel like the Pelicans can. The Thunder could have a landscape change if they lose Durant. Uh, Phoenix is who they are just building back up right now. Sacramento could have a landscape change uh, – that we just talked about a little bit. So seven of the 15 teams in the Western Conference could have a considerable landscape change here uh, coming up in the next little bit. All right, a few other notes for you before we wrap this up. Thanks very much. If you want to advertise in the program, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock 9 at gmail.com. Mike Toby of Virginia. The Jazz really love Virginia's program. Uh, he, and Tony Bennett, what he does there, he'll join the Jazz Summer League team in Vegas. Um, Frank Vogel has pride longtime Spurs assistant, uh, assistant uh, from the Spurs, so it's a good get for Orlando. And uh, otherwise, things are relatively quiet. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz on the Locked on Podcast Network. Check out the new edition of Locked on Pelicans. Tell your Pelican fan that you have or two. Uh, also, Locked on Celtics, Locked on Bulls, and Locked on Magic all up on the Locked on Podcast Network. Have a great one. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now, wherever you get podcasts, and hit that subscribe button.